One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Welcome in, everybody, episode 401 of the podcast. It is Speak America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, June 17th. 2021 people i hope everybody is having a great day i hope everybody is having a great week and we have a loaded aaron torres podcast for you today we are going to open with the annual john calipari nba coaching rumors they started on i guess it was wednesday via a yahoo report calipari immediately denied them but i do think it's an interesting topic and i do want to discuss not really the rumors themselves as much as the idea of is John Calipari, like, 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 is he ever going to consider the NBA? Is he going to retire at Kentucky? The conversation, I believe, is actually more interesting now than it's been over the last couple of years, so we will talk about that. From there, of course, we will transition to what I think is another really interesting topic. Chris Beard, Texas basketball, picked up another marquee commitment on Tuesday night, and I tweeted it out. Some of you guys got mad. I believe that Texas is the next great power in college basketball under Chris Beard. I'm going to tell you why. May hit on a topic or two after that. May give you a college World Series baseball prediction. But following the Chris Beard stuff, we are going to get to a great guest, Jake Weingarten. Uh, one of the best college basketball recruiting guys comes on, and we basically nerd out for a solid 30 minutes talking high school basketball and college basketball recruiting. We talk about the Jalen Duran kid that I brought up a few episodes ago, the kid who may reclassify. Jake actually has some really interesting things to say about that. We will discuss the rise of, of, of Texas, frankly. We talk about the uh, revamped coaching staff at Kentucky. We talk about UConn and Dan Hurley. We talk about the G League and overtime, how they are competing with college basketball so really fun interesting conversation with Jake Weingarten I encourage you to stick around but with that said let's get into the topic of the day in college sports I think really across all of college sports and really it is the annual time where we just discuss John Calipari and NBA coaching rumors right like like this has now become an annual tradition like the Victoria's Secret fashion show like the leaves changing in the fall like you yelling at your grandparents on Thanksgiving Day uh, whatever you consider to be an annual tradition John Calipari getting thrown into NBA coaching rumors ha uh, happens pretty much every year it happened on Wednesday and of course we also immediately got the uh, we immediately got the rebuttal from John Calipari saying he has the best job in the world and so because of it talk about a, a you know two things that happen simultaneously we get the Calipari rumors we immediately get the rebuttal and so what I want to do is I want to spend the next few minutes not really talking about the rumors themselves since John Calipari has already said that he is you know he has the best job in the world at Kentucky but really just the idea of has the window closed on Calipari going to the NBA or is it still open because I actually believe the the, the window for a couple different reasons may be more open now than it was even a year or two ago so let's get into it and the story really was actually pretty simple it wasn't that big of a deal 
But because Kentucky is the biggest program in college basketball, in my opinion, certainly the most covered, there's probably more interest in Kentucky basketball than anywhere else. Uh, The rumor picked up steam really quick, and it basically came from a Yahoo report on Wednesday that was basically just listing all the different candidates that could be uh, potentially the, the next in line to get NBA head coaching jobs. And the NBA coaching carousel is currently underway. As best I can tell, I believe six jobs are open. I talked a little bit about Penny Hardaway the other day and maybe a potential interest between him and the Orlando Magic. But six jobs are opened up. And uh, Yahoo just listed 10 people that they believe are candidates for some of these marquee jobs. Names you probably have thought of. Jason Kidd, former NBA player, Lakers assistant coach. Becky Hammond, longtime Spurs assistant coach, likely will become the first female ever to coach a major professional sports team uh, on the male side. The typical names that you would expect. And then, of course, there is John Calipari. And I'm going to just try to be brief, but here is what Yahoo said about John Calipari's prospective NBA coaching opportunities as he is listed by Yahoo Sports as one of 10 potential candidates to become an NBA head coach this offseason. This is what Yahoo said. Calipari is a bit of a surprise here, but multiple sources tell Yahoo Sports Calipari would be open to jumping back into the NBA. He had a taste of it in the late 90s, taking over the then New Jersey Nets following a stint at UMass that didn't go particularly well. But the changing dynamics at Kentucky, along with the massive expectations from the fan base and alumni, could have him looking for a second bite. He may have maxed out at Kentucky, a high-ranking executive told Yahoo Sports. College basketball is a sinking ship, another executive said. He is much different then he is much different now than his first go around, but that ego is hard to tame. And then they talk about a few different things, blah, 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 blah. But essentially, Yahoo has listed John Calipari at 62 years old as one of the biggest names in the NBA coaching carousel. And as I said a minute ago, John Calipari within hours immediately shot down that report. Uh, And what he said is, it's that time of year. Why do rumors always start when we're in the middle of recruiting? I have the best job in the country with the best opportunity to impact young people and add value to their careers, and that has not changed. This season can't come fast enough. Let's go. So if you were worried in that, I don't know, 90-minute window about John Calipari probably leaving, uh, you don't have to be worried anymore as he officially shot it down. And what I would say about just the Calipari NBA stuff in general one, I would say, um, you know, listen, I, I, there are times when the Calipari NBA rumors have been legit. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of knows, but but kind of going into the 2014-2015 season, uh, Cal, I believe, seriously considered leaving, but that was the year he had a million returnees, probably his most talented team ever, uh, and he decided to stay. And so, look, the rumors at times have been legit. I would also say I think there have been other times where John Calipari and his camp and his group, his agents, whatever, have maybe put his name out there because they want his name to be out there maybe to let the Kentucky administration know, hey, I have other options. Let that Kentucky fan base who is passionate and loves college basketball, and I don't blame you guys one bit because you allow me to do what I do, uh, Kentucky fans, uh, maybe let them know, hey, I have other options too. So what I would say pretty simply is I think there have been times where Calipari has both seriously considered going to the NBA, and I think there's also been other times where maybe he hasn't been considering it, but he either wanted a raise or he wanted to prove a point or he wanted to send a message to his bosses and basically put out those rumors. Now, this time, I do not believe this time that Calipari or his camp was behind it because, first of all, just listen. First of all, 
the, the most basic thing is this, is that one, I don't believe that John Calipari would spend the entire offseason revamping his roster, changing how they're going to play, changing who they are, bringing in a bunch of new personnel, selling kids like C.J. Frederick, Kellen Grady, Oscar Shibway, all these guys that have come into the program. I don't believe that he would do that if he was deciding to leave college basketball or seriously considering it. I would also say I don't think he revamps his coaching staff, bringing in Orlando Antigua, one of his best friends and most trusted confidants in college basketball, if he was planning on leaving, right? Like, because the thing is, like, yeah, maybe five years down the road, if or, or three years, if let's say something crazy happens and Kentucky wins two more national championships. Then maybe he retires, he hands it over to Orlando Antigua, but obviously when you bring in a new guy, even if he has ties to Kentucky, it's not as though Orlando Antigua would get the job if he left. And so Calipari is not leaving this offseason. You don't revamp the roster, bring in one of your most trusted confidants, bring in Chin Coleman, another rising assistant coach, if you're not going to be around. And then two, I would also say, like I said, um, these rumors did not come from him because listen to the quotes. The quote was, he may have maxed out at Kentucky. You could say a lot of things about John Calipari, but I know for a fact that John Calipari doesn't think he's maxed out at Kentucky. I think that he believes he's really excited about this coming season and that this next season has a, a, a chance to potentially be special. So because of it, I don't really want to spend a ton of time on like the do you believe what he tweeted? Yes, I believe that he is not a candidate for NBA head coaching jobs right now. But I do think kind of the interesting question is, would he ever consider actually leaving for the NBA? What would it look like? What kind of circumstances? Because I will be honest, I believe that now more than maybe a year or two ago, remember he signed that quote unquote lifetime contract after whatever it was, the 2019 season, I guess it was when UCLA came calling. Um, I, I believe it's more likely now than maybe it was two years ago. And so the question becomes, would he ever leave? And I think there's a few factors to consider. One, I do think you have to consider things did not go well last year. And if they don't go well again next year, I mean, I think he's got to at least consider an escape plan, right? Now, I, for the record, let me just be abundantly clear. I actually think Kentucky's going to be really good next year. I think you factor in the weird offseason, the fact that the players couldn't practice, couldn't work out, whatever. They had a young team. They had a bunch of freshmen, maybe a little bit of entitlement. There were no veterans, one returning player who couldn't play. Basically, everything that could go wrong did. Kentucky goes 9-16. and 16. For the record, I actually think Kentucky's going to be pretty good this year, and I'm actually really excited to see them play. But listen, let's also call a spade a spade. If Calipari has another year like he did last year, he's going to be looking for, for a way out the side door. And obviously, at that point, the only, the only justification you can have is the NBA, is the possibility of leaving for the professional ranks. Um, and so I, I do think it's possible. I don't think Kentucky's going to be bad, but if he has lost his fastball, if he, if he is not competing at the highest level for those SEC championships, for those Final Fours, for potential national championships, then I do think, yeah, like, like he is going to consider other alternatives. And let's be honest, Kentucky fans are going to want him to consider other alternatives. Again, I mentioned it. The number one state that downloads this show is the state of Kentucky. I know you guys, uh, you know, I, I, again, I appreciate what you guys do, and, and I, I appreciate the support that you give me, and I know how much you love Kentucky basketball, and the one thing you can definitively say about Kentucky, I give Kentucky fans credit for this. I have always said that Kentucky basketball is covered. They're the only college basketball program in America that is covered like a college football program, and what I mean by that is this. Kentucky basketball 
it, if you lose one game, it is the end of the world, and guys like Matt Jones on Kentucky Sports Radio, uh, myself, I mean, I, I don't get the volume that Matt does, but Matt's going to get calls all day, every day, until Kentucky figures out what's wrong and gets it right. Uh, other college basketball programs, I mean, even you know UNC, it has the Charlotte Hornets, the, the Carolina Panthers right in their own backyard. Kansas has the Chiefs, so it's not the day-to-day, minute-to-minute that being the head coach of Kentucky is or being in that Kentucky uh, community is. And so because of it, uh, it is not an easy place uh, to coach. I think Calipari has done about as great of a job as ever. But again, if he has the type of season that he did last year, like like this isn't you know what's going on at Syracuse where Jim Beheim is an icon and he gets five, six, seven years in a row where they're kind of good but not great. Like, no. Kentucky is its own beast, and so obviously the possibility exists that like, if he's just not good, um, he really might look for an escape hatch. I think the other thing that we have to at least consider in terms of what the next four or five years look like, not only with Kentucky basketball but with Calipari, is what I've talked about so many times, is this name, image, likeness stuff. And I, I'm not going to go down the deep rabbit hole that I've done time and time again. I did it with Roy Williams. I did it with Coach K. I'm not going to do it again. But this landscape is changing so fast and so furious. And I know some of you have commented. I got a great comment in the uh, um, the iTunes reviews. One of you reached out and said, hey, man, look, I bust my butt. I work 10, 12 hours a day. I don't get, I don't get paid 8, 10, 12 million dollars a year to be a coach. I have no sympathy for these guys if they are complaining about the job and the responsibilities that come with it. And so to be clear, I totally get it. All I am saying is that the way that college basketball and college football have been done forever is changing rapidly. And I do think some of these guys that have options are going to seriously consider them. Now, what I would also say is a couple things. One, as long as college basketball is played, Somebody is going to want to coach at Kentucky. No different than somebody's going to want to coach at Duke, coach at North Carolina, coach at Michigan, coach at Michigan State, coach at UCLA, coach at Arizona, coach wherever. As long as college basketball is played, somebody is going to want that Kentucky job. I also would say that in terms of Calipari, I think he is more in that Nick Saban where I do believe this is his last job. I don't, you know, Nick Saban, I think if Nick Saban was 40, I think he would seriously consider the NFL and say, do I really want to be part of college football as it evolves over the next 10 or 15 years? Um, And Coach K even said that when he retired was like, yeah, if I was 50 and I got offered the Lakers job like I did when I was actually 50, if I was 50 now and offered it, I would seriously consider it. Uh, I think Calipari's kind of in that age range where I, I, I do believe that Kentucky is going to be his last job. Same with Jay Wright, same with Nick Saban, same with guys like that. But as I've told you time and time again, as these sports continue to evolve, I do think some of the younger guys that have legitimate options, I do think are going to look at the professional ranks. Maybe not John Calipari, but maybe a Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Maybe a Ryan Day, the football coach at Ohio State. Maybe even a Chris Beard, who's in his mid to late 40s, who might have an opportunity to coach in the NBA. Tony Bennett, in his early 50s, might have a a chance to coach in the NBA because college basketball and the reason that these guys got in it is completely changing. Let's just be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's be honest. Things are changing really quickly where less and less it's about, one, the product on the court, but two, the actual coaching of basketball. 
as I've told you before, with name image likeness coming in, you are now going to have agents sitting in the room during recruiting meetings saying, what can you do for me? Like, it's great that you have this education and the history program and the comms department, and I'm glad that your biology department is number one in the country, but what can you do for me? I saw you get this guy this last year. Can you do that for me? On top of that, you have essentially free agency in college sports where a kid is unhappy, he has a bad day, he has a bad week, he has a bad month, and he says, you know what, screw it, I'm out of here. And so I believe that is a big reason why Coach K left. I believe it's a big reason why Roy Williams left. And I believe it's a big reason why coaches that have real options are going to consider other alternatives. For the older guys, maybe it is an earlier retirement. Maybe Coach K or really Roy Williams did get out two or three years earlier than he wanted just because he didn't want to deal with all of the changes and what does it mean. I also think for the for the Ryan Days and Lincoln Rileys and Chris Beards, maybe that means going to the professional ranks. Because as I told you a minute ago, um, if you're going to be dealing with agents, and I've, I've coaches have told me this, by the way, if you're going to be dealing with agents and you're going to be dealing with essentially free agency in college sports, I think there's a lot of coaches that say, well, I'll just go to the pros where all I have to do is coach and the GM takes care of it. The GM is the one that negotiates contracts and deals and this and that. The GM is the guy that signs free agents. The, the GM is the guy that drafts guys. And I'll say, you know, and, 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 and in college, I'm not going to have to deal with that anymore. And I don't want to deal with that. I want to go back to just coaching, just talking about the biology department, just recruiting, all that good stuff. So I do think it's possible that if name image likeness goes off the rails really quick and it goes, it becomes the wild, wild west. And for the record, the NCA doesn't step up and put in guidelines that a guy like Calipari maybe in two years would seriously consider going. I mean, if this transfer thing doesn't work, he has a bunch of transfers in his program right now. If it doesn't work and he says, wait a second, I, I, you know, you know, I brought in these guys and it didn't work and the high school guys and maybe he gets burned by a couple of these G League kids that he recruits and at the last minute they decide to go pro. Like, I, I could see this scenario where at 63, 64, 65, he says that he is going to go pro. On the inverse, I should mention the opposite could be true too. I had a Kentucky fan bring this up to me, which I thought was really interesting. As of right now, name, image, likeness, there is no set uniform rules. Why is that important? It is important for one simple reason. It is because right now, the biggest fear in the quote-unquote name, image, likeness game is that every state is going to have different bylaws and say Alabama can do things for college athletes in the name, image, likeness world that Kentucky can't or that Tennessee can't or that Arkansas can't or that California can't or that Michigan can't. Ohio State fans worried about what Michigan can do. Michigan fans worried about what Ohio State can do. And so I only bring that up because that could be another reason to push Calipari away. He says he has the best job in the country. I believe that he believes he has the best job in the country. But what happens if Alabama or Tennessee or the North Carolina schools can do more for their players and he is no longer on a balanced playing field? I don't think that's going to happen, but it's a possibility. But anyway, as I said, Calipari, he shot down the rumors. And look, to be abundantly clear, no, I do not believe that he is going to be leaving college basketball anytime soon and certainly not this offseason. But if he has another bad year, does he try to leave? Do, do Kentucky fans and Kentucky's administration maybe say, hey, maybe you should look at that Toronto Raptors job. Maybe you should look at that uh, Indiana Pacers job. And then on the flip side, with the name, image, likeness stuff, I am just curious to see what happens. But at the end of the day, Calipari is going to be here this year. And let's be honest, I believe he is going to be at Kentucky for a very, very long all right, so I do want to switch gears and talk about something else that happened in college basketball this week, and it's kind of ironic because, obviously, look, I just spent, what, the last 
15 minutes or so talking Kentucky basketball, talking about this John Calipari stuff, blah, 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 blah. But on Tuesday, something happened, and what I said was this one thing points to me that there is a new kid on the block in college basketball circles. I even referenced that I believe that this one program that you probably aren't thinking about could be one of Kentucky's biggest rivals both on the court and in recruiting in college basketball over the next 5, 10, 12 years, whatever, and that program is the Texas Longhorns. Yes, Texas basketball. Yes, I am talking about Texas basketball, not Texas football. I'm not saying Texas football is back under Sark or back under Tom Herman or back under Mac Brown or back under Charlie Strong. I am talking Texas basketball. And, and, and so let me kind of get into it because I think a lot of you are kind of driving around or in the gym or whatever and you're shaking your head saying, Torres, like, like come on, man, Texas basketball, like, like what are you talking about here? Texas basketball? I know Chris Beard's a good coach, but you're out of your mind. And so let me kind of explain what the story was that got me kind of to this point, and then I'll get into the story behind the story, because it's really not about the story as much as the story behind the story. And now that I've said the word story 37 times in about two sentences, let's get into it. The story that popped up on Tuesday was that Texas actually received a commitment from a kid named Trey Mitchell. And if you're not familiar with Trey Mitchell, Trey Mitchell was basically the last marquee transfer available in the portal. He averaged 18 points, 8 rebounds per game last year at UMass. And for many of you that are sitting there saying, how good could a kid from UMass be? Let me just tell you. This kid was a former top 100 recruit. He was recruited by the whole Big East, a bunch of the ACC, a bunch of the Big Ten. He ultimately ends up at UMass because his high school coach takes a job there. I'll let you figure out what may have happened behind the scenes. None of my business. But Trey Mitchell hits the portal this offseason. He's recruited by everybody, LSU, Florida State, Georgia, Texas, whatever. And he ultimately chooses Texas. And when I saw that news, on top of everything that Chris Beard has already done this offseason, it led me to the conclusion that I saw a minute ago. I truly believe that Chris Beard is building a juggernaut at Texas and a program that I believe will be able to compete on the national scene year in and year out and be in the championship conversation here over the next couple years. Yes, I believe give Chris Beard two or three years, he is going to be competing with Gonzaga annually, Villanova annually, Kentucky annually, Duke annually, uh, whoever annually. And for people who think I'm crazy, let me get into and explain why. Because again, the Trey Mitchell thing was just the jumping off point to get to what I want to get to. And let's start with just what Chris Beard has done. First of all, let's just start with the players. Because in the transfer portal, I would argue that Texas is right up there with Kentucky, with Arkansas, with uh, maybe Mississippi State, maybe LSU, as the best teams in the transfer portal this offseason. In total, they have signed five, 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 five marquee players in the portal. In no particular order, here they are. I mentioned Trey Mitchell, 18 points, eight rebounds per game at UMass last year. Timmy Allen, who was a first-team all-pack 12 guard slash wing at Utah, averaged 17 points per game last year. They added Dylan Dissu who averaged 15 points, 9 rebounds per game at Vanderbilt. Really talented player, really good low post player, along with Scottie Pippen. He was basically the only thing that Vanderbilt had going last year. They added Christian Bishop, a starter on Creighton's uh, Sweet 16 team this year. And they added Devin Askew, former fringe five-star guard, really a four-star-ish guard who ended up at Kentucky last year. Again, we got a lot of Kentucky fans that listen. I know what you think about Devin Askew, but again, 
He reclassified. He got to college a year early. And when you're talking about the fact that he might be the fourth or fifth guard, third guy off the bench, uh, it means to me that that is a heck of a recruiting haul. You get an all-A-10 performer in Trey Mitchell. You get uh, Christian Bishop, a starter on Creighton Sweet 16 team. You get the best rebounder in the SEC. You get Timmy Allen, an all-Pac-12 guard, along with Devin Askew. And along with, by the way, uh, some really key returnees to next year's team. And I'll tell you this. I did my most recent way too early top 25 about two or three weeks ago, but Texas is going to be in the top 10 when I do my next one because you talk about the five marquee transfers with three marquee returnees, Andrew Jones, uh, Brock Cunningham, and Courtney Ramey. Remember, Texas, by the way, was in the top 20 basically all of last year. They won the Big 12 Tournament Championship. So you bring back three marquee players. You add five marquee transfers. You add a five-star recruit in Jalen Tyson, who Chris Beard brought with him from Texas Tech. And I am just telling you, one, this is the most talented team that Chris Beard has ever had, and I believe they are already ready to compete for a Big 12 title. And if you consider that Chris Beard made an Elite Eight and a Final Four, and I'm telling you this is the most talented roster that he's ever had, it shows you just how quickly things are coming together at Texas. But it really isn't just about, again, the commitment of Trey Mitchell or the roster that he's put together, but instead the bigger picture of what Chris Beard being at Texas means. And when I say that, I think we have to go back and think about it on the biggest level. If you're listening to this show, you care about college basketball. What that means is that you know about Chris Beard's track record. Goes to Texas Tech. Goes to an Elite Eight in year two. Year three, goes to a Final Four and really is a shot or a defensive stop away from winning the national championship. They had a lead with 20 seconds to go. Virginia ties the game, wins it in overtime. If they get one stop, Texas Tech is national champion under Chris Beard. And so why do I bring it up? It is because if Chris Beard... Chris Beard already almost won a national championship at Texas Tech. So he proved that you can compete at the highest level at Texas Tech. So he was only going to leave for a job that he believed that he could build into, again, a Kentucky, a Gonzaga, a Duke, a a UCLA, a whoever. I'm not saying that in 10 years, Texas is going to have the history of Kentucky, the history of Duke, the history of Carolina. But I believe that Chris Beard believes that he can build that type of program at the University of Texas. And if you think I'm crazy, I'll just tell you this. I think he can, and I'll tell you why. It is because the University of Texas, flagship university in that state with all the resources in the world, is 100% behind Chris Beard. Again, if it was going to be, you know, I don't want to excuse the language if there's kids in the car, turn down the dial for a second, but if Texas was going to go half-assed on this commitment to Chris Beard, I don't think he goes to Texas. He was happy at Texas Tech. He would have stayed at Texas Tech. But what Texas Tech basically told Texas basically told him was, we are all in on basketball. We will give you anything that you want to be successful in college basketball. You don't believe me? Here's what happened. First of all, never forget, Texas actually has a brand new arena coming to their campus here in the coming weeks, okay? Texas has, or the coming years, excuse me. Texas has built a brand new arena that will open not this coming season, but the following one. So first of all, you know Texas had money to begin with, but you know they really had money because I don't remember very many schools in any sport building a brand new arena on campus, but that is the commitment that Texas had already made to basketball even before they hired Beard. On top of that, and this is important, and I'm going to talk about it with Jake Weingarten, you could argue that Texas actually went out and and maybe hired the most expensive 
and you could argue best staff in the country. Now, I think probably Kentucky with Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, Jay Lucas is the best staff in the country, but Texas ain't far behind. Here is what Chris Beard did when he got to Texas. First of all, he convinced two active head coaches to leave head coaching positions to come be an assistant under him. The first one was a guy named Rodney Terry, really well-respected uh, coach and recruiter. He actually worked under Rick Barnes at Texas many years ago. Rodney Terry was the head coach at UTEP and decided to leave UTEP as a head coach to become the lead assistant at Texas under Chris Beard. Chris Ogden was the head coach at Arlington, decides he's going to leave Arlington to become the special assistant as the, to the head coach. He's not even a recruiter. He's not even on the floor during practice. He is the special assistant, and he left to come to Texas. Why is that important? If Chris Beard did not have the fight, you know how much, uh, let, me, let me just put it simply. You know how much money it takes to get a man to leave a head coaching job for a demotion to come to be an assistant? It takes a lot of money. And so while Orlando Antigua might be the highest paid co assistant coach in college basketball, I'm telling you, Rodney Terry ain't very far behind. Uh, Chris Ogden ain't very far behind. On top of that, Jarence Howard, who was Bill Self's lead recruiter at Kansas, decided to leave Kansas and come to Texas, which again brings me back to what I said a minute ago. You know how much money it must take to get the best assistant coach, the one assistant coach that Bill Self can't afford to lose, away from Kansas? And I know it's Kansas and they have the FBI stuff, but at the end of the day, it's still a great job. There's still plenty of job security because Bill Self just got a lifetime contract. So the amount of money that it took to get that guy away from Texas or to get away from Kansas speaks to how much Texas is willing to spend. And then on top of that, I just believe you have an elite head coach, you have an elite university uh, in, the, in a beautiful city, the flagship state university, financially you can do anything, you've just hired the best staff in college basketball, and here's the other thing to consider. There's probably more high school basketball talent in Texas than anywhere else in the country, and I've talked about it before. I've said it before, but think about all the good players that have come out of the state of Texas in recent years. Cade Cunningham, RJ Hampton, um... Uh, Tyrese Maxey, uh, you go on and on and on down the list. This year, there's a five-star kid named Keontae George. I mean, it, the list goes on forever. The Harrison Twins, Julius Randle, Justice Winslow, if you want to go back a few years. So much talent comes out of the state of Texas, and now you have this elite coach with this elite staff at the flagship university. I think they're going to clean up in recruiting. Now, are they going to get every single guy that they want? Of course not. Nobody, even Coach K didn't get every single guy that he wanted. Nick Saban doesn't get every single guy that he wanted. But I believe that when you have the elite high school players matched up with the transfer portal stuff that Chris Beard is doing, I'm just telling you, year in and year out, they are going to be able to, com to put a team on the floor that can compete with anybody. I'll take it a step further. And I told you this, uh, or I said this on Twitter the other day, and I don't know if people got mad, but I think they were surprised that I said it, is that um, I believe in the next five years. So just talked a ton about Kentucky. I don't, I don't want to get in, I don't want to make this a Kentucky show, but Kentucky's the best recruiting you know, program in America, right? Calipari's just, just got it down to a science. He's the best recruiter in the country. Why do I bring it up? It is to say that I believe, and I put this out there on Twitter and people got mad, in the next five years, it's not going to be Duke who is Kentucky's number one rival in recruiting. It's not going to be North Carolina. At the college level, I truly believe it's going to be Texas because Chris Beard is now at a major flagship school. He's got the staff behind him. He's got the resources behind him. We've talked about name, image, likeness. That's not going to be an issue. And I believe he is going to go after the best players in the country and specifically the best players in the state of Texas. And like I said, 
I think he is going to be Kentucky's number one recruiting rival over the next decade. Now, a couple things. Part of that is, of course, because John Shire is now at Duke. I don't think Duke is as appealing without Coach K. I don't think North Carolina is as appealing without Roy Williams. Villanova, those type schools don't really recruit in the same stratosphere as Kentucky, not going after the same guys. So I think you look at a school, a program that is going to go toe-for-toe with Kentucky, I believe it's Texas. And so I'm, I'm done ranting on Texas here. I got nothing else to say. But all I'm telling you is this. Watch out. Just watch out. You have been warned. It is June 17, 2021. But Chris Beard, in about three months, has already put together the most talented roster that he has ever had in college basketball. Keep in mind, in the last three NCAA tournaments played, he's made two Elite Eights, a Final Four, and a National Championship game. He has his most talented roster yet. And I truly believe that Texas is a program on the rise and you just better watch out because they are really, really, really good. All right, really quickly, I want to get to Jake Weingarten momentarily. As I mentioned a minute ago, Jake Weingarten is as good of a recruiting guy as there is out there. Now, I will say, um, you know, we've had so many great recruiting guys on this show that have since left for other jobs. Corey Evans, still a great friend of mine. Saw Corey not that long ago. He works for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Evan Daniels, of course, is now working at CAA. Jake Weingarten has kind of taken their place as the best recruiting insider. Um, But before we get to him, I I do just want to say a couple things is first of all keep an eye very interesting story from Arizona State football this week I know most of you don't care about Arizona State football let alone the Pac-12 but essentially they could be in big trouble for some major recruiting violations as it appears as though they were basically having and hosting recruits on campus during COVID if you remember recruits from about the middle of March of 2020 until June of 2021 were not allowed to visit campus and certainly it wasn't allowed to be paid for by the coaches the coaches weren't allowed to meet with them in person you could do no on-campus recruiting until June of 2021 only now there's apparently a pretty big story out there that Arizona State may have hosted kids Herm Edwards may have met them in person they may have been inside the facilities that is a major NCAA violation is it right is it wrong I don't know but it's a major NCAA violation and I think Arizona State's in real trouble it's worth noting by the way Pete Thamel put out a big report on Yahoo um, and there are apparently pictures there's videos there's a lot of stuff going on and what is interesting about it is that it appears as though it came from within the program it's not something that a rival if and I'm just spitballing here I'm not accusing anyone of anything but like these are not pictures that USC or UCLA or Oregon or Washington could have got a hold of and turned Arizona State into the NCAA it sounds like it came internally and it'll be really interesting to see because obviously you can probably narrow it down pretty quickly in terms of who it might be if it did in fact come internally finally Last little thing, so keep an eye on that. It'll be interesting because I do think Herm Edwards could be in a lot of hot water. Uh, Finally, I'll say this. You guys know, I've become America's number one college baseball fan. Um, I actually recorded, unfortunately, Sunday's episode before the games got really good. Uh, Did not comment on Tennessee advancing to the College World Series. Congrats to them. The guy, Tony Vitello, is incredible. Danny White should have a contract done right now this second. Don't wait. No time to waste, Danny White. Get that contract done. Uh, On top of that, you know, Vandy was awesome. Arizona was awesome. I caught a little bit of Mississippi State. Um, obviously the Arkansas NC State game was unreal uh, Kevin Copps basically the national player of the year pitched his heart out Arkansas frankly you know was probably the best team in the country all year he was the best pitcher in the country all year but they are out uh, but with the College World Series this weekend listen 
I didn't talk about it on last week's show, last Monday's show, just for, for that simple reason. But I will say this. I do have a national championship pick, and it's super boring and it's super lame. I am picking Vanderbilt to win the College Baseball World Series, and here's why. Uh, Vanderbilt has, for people who do not know, and, and I'm a very loose college baseball fan. This would be like uh, Stephen A. Smith making an NHL Finals pick. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a college baseball diehard for about a week, two weeks now maybe, uh, I'll say this. Vandy was about as good of a team as I saw in the two weeks that I've been a college baseball diehard, okay? Uh, they were they have two great pitchers off the top of their rotation, a kid named Kumar Rocker, who may be a top five pick in the MLB draft. Also, Jack Leiter, the son of Al Leiter, pitches at Vanderbilt. And so I think when you can go one-two with those two guys, uh, you're talking about a program that is going to have a huge advantage in Omaha. So what I would say, Vanderbilt is my official college baseball national championship pick I would say the best teams that I've seen in my two weeks as a college baseball diehard Vanderbilt Tennessee uh, I would say Arizona was really good when I watched them and I would also put Mississippi State in that category those are four of the eight teams that will be there I was also told Texas was awesome but I'll be honest I just didn't get to watch a ton of their super regional all right well I think that's it for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Covered a lot of ground in a half an hour, huh? Lot to talk about, lot to say, but I do want to get to Jake Weingarten now. As I mentioned, Jake Weingarten is as good of a college basketball recruiting writer as anybody. He he came on, this is his first appearance, I've known Jake for a long time, and he is great. Uh, we talked about all sorts of stuff. We talked about the impact that the G League is having on recruiting, how, how are coaches adjusting, what is it just like for kids to be back on campus, how important is it, things like that. We also get really deep into the weeds on the Jalen Duran stuff. Jalen Duran, the number one player in America, maybe number two, and Jake has some interesting thoughts that he really believes that Jalen Duran might be playing college basketball and might be playing college basketball next year. So what you're going to want to do, stick around. Uh, Jake Weingarten is coming up. Before we get out of here, I should mention, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app. You can do it on Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. If you can, go to that uh, that uh, iTunes page and hit us with a quick five stars. Uh, please make sure to do so. Leave a rating and review. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com if you have any questions for the show. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com if you have any questions for the show. That is all for today's Aaron Torres Podcast. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Now let's get to Jake Weingarten from StockRisers.com. Great college hoops recruiting writer. All right, before we get to Jake Weingarten, I do want to welcome back our favorite sponsor, our newest sponsor, Prize Picks and PrizePicks.com. The NBA playoffs are well underway at this point, and there is no better way to enjoy watching your favorite former college basketball stars than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Again, it's daily fantasy. We've all played regular fantasy. It's just on a day-to-day -day basis. You pick a couple players. You decide, are they going to have over or under a certain amount of points, a certain amount of rebounds, assists, three-pointers made. It really is that easy. All you got to do, go to prizepicks, prizepicks.com, or download the prize picks app 
Wednesday night, as I record, huge game between the Sixers and the Hawks. Here are my two prize picks plays. Trey Young, I have him going over 27.5 points because let's be honest, Trey Young, you know darn well, ain't going to go out without a fight. I know it's 2-2 two to two in the series. The point being, Trey Young is going to get his. I also believe with Embiid hobbled with Ben Simmons hobbled. Uh, ben Simmons maybe a little mentally hobbled with the way he's shooting. I have Tobias Harris over 21.5 points as well. So Trey Young over 27.5, Tobias Harris over 21.5. But back to prize picks, which gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four out of five predictions correct. That's right. Go in, download the app, use promo code Torres, make sure to, which we'll get to in a minute. If you pick five guys, if you get four of them correct, you go ahead and win 10 times your money, and that's on top of this. They have the new NBA playoff jackpot called the 10K Daily Flex Play. The game is simple. You log in, you make five picks again. Remember, if you get four out of five, you win 10 times your money. If you go five for five, you automatically win $10,000. Here's the catch, though. It's only available to first-time users, and it's only available if you use the promo code when you go to prizepicks.com or download the PrizePicks app. So again, prizepicks.com, PrizePicks app, pick five players. You get all five correct in terms of their fantasy score. You win $10,000 all just by using the promo code Torres. You also, and this is important as well, just by signing up, even if all your picks stink, and my picks have stunk lately, so don't feel guilty if they do, you instantly get a $100 bonus on up to $100 deposited. So you put in $100, they give you 100 extra to play with. It doesn't get better than this. Four out of five picks, 10 times your money. Five out of five picks on your first opportunity, your first chance, you win 10K. And even if you put in 100 and lose it, they give you 100 to play with. Again, that is the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com. Use promo code Torres to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite college basketball stars that are now in the NBA to the next level this postseason. Prize Picks, Prize Picks app. Use promo code Torres. Now, with that said, let's get to Jake Weingarten. All right, joining me via Zoom, um, longtime friend, first time that I've had him on the podcast, but he is the go-to college hoops recruiting guru, and uh, you know it is that time of year where it's nonstop college hoops, stockrisers.com, founder, Jake Weingarten, my guy. We've been talking offline forever. Yeah. What have you been, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. Uh, you know, out here in Louisville, Kentucky, so, you know, back at school, dog sitting, watching basketball, you know, the usual. So um, just enjoying life, man, the grind and everything that comes with it. But, you know, I'm excited to be on here for a long time, friend. This is my first time on here. I was kind of offended it took this long, but now we're here. So I'm excited. Well, listen, I don't talk a ton of hoops recruiting, but when I do, I got to bring on the guru. And so, you know, this is kind of it's a weird time where publicly there isn't a lot going on the transfer stuff is done you know practices are happening whatever but behind the scenes it's insanity and I think anybody that's listening to this would know um, you know June 1st players were allowed to visit campuses for the first time since COVID started this past week uh, the 15th was the first time that coaches could contact recruits that are going to be juniors this year. So in the high school class of 2023. So for any fan listening, whether they're a Louisville fan, a Kentucky fan, a Texas fan, an Arkansas fan, a UCLA fan, 
how crazy is their basketball office, not only this week, but really the entire month of June? Oh, June is June is the time if you're a basketball junkie. Um, for me, uh, outside of the coaches, I know that this is a big deal for the players too. Um, being able to hear from college coaches and, you know, be back on campus for the first time, it's kind of a big deal. And as far as, you know, coaches go, um, you know, it's a really important time. You've been sitting back, you know, watching Zooms and, you know, watching live streams and all this stuff, but now you're actually able to get back to the hands-on stuff. And, you know, for coaches to have guys back on uh, visits on campus and now you're able to contact incoming juniors, um, it's a really big time. I know a lot of coaches that reached out to 30 plus kids. And I also know some schools that only reached out to 10 kids. So, um, you know, everyone's just trying to get a feel of, you know, the live period being back and the contact period reopening. Um, you know, I know a school like Alabama, they've got an official visitor today and a couple of unofficial visitors. So, you know, schools are really just taking advantage of, you know, being back and, you know, getting closer to normalcy. And, you know, for a school like Kentucky, um, you know, the live period and the contact period this year was kind of different. You know, when do you usually see a school like Kentucky reach out to 30 kids in one day? So, um, you know, things are weird and things are changing, but I think everyone's glad to be back. I was going to say, kind of dumb question, you know, how important do you think it is from both perspectives for the players to be able to visit campus? You know, I, I don't know that it, it changed all that much last year, but uh, one of the top high school players in the country, a kid named Jaden Hardy, ultimately chose like a professional pathway. And look, there's money involved. We get it. But he also said like, I, I didn't want to go somewhere that I couldn't visit. I had never met any of the coaches in person. Um, you know, I'd never been to UCLA, Kentucky, Oregon, all these schools recruiting me. Like, it's kind of a dumb surface level question, but how important is it in your perspective for both not only the player, but also the coaches to get everybody on campus meeting face to face? Well, player wise, um, like you just said, Jaden Hardy was a terrific example because I actually had this discussion with him. And he did say a big factor was, you know, him not being able to physically see where his home is going to be for the next six, seven months if he had opted to go to college. But this is also a really big deal for coaches because now you get to know the player in person uh, instead of talking over a computer and you really get a better feel and you get a better opportunity to, you know, show them and showcase your program. I know a kid named Trey Wirtz that plays at Notre Dame that had an Ohio State virtual visit, you know, nine, 10 months ago and said, you know, the Zoom thing is very informative, but, you know, it's not the same as, you know, being in person and being able to actually build that relationship and, you know, see the genuine feelings coming from a coach. But from a coach perspective, you're getting these guys on campus. You get to see their character up front and personal. You get to show them campus in person you get to really show them what the program is like. And it sounds more genuine when it's in person. And it sounds crazy because you're probably thinking to yourself, what's the difference between him telling me over a computer, him telling me in person, it, it is a really drastic difference. And for a coach like, you know, Chris Mack or John Calipari, um, you know, or I'll use John Calipari rather, Kentucky, you're not going to want to offer a kid and go all in on him over the phone. If you're John Calipari, you know how Kentucky operates. They like to know who they're getting. So for them to be able to, you know, land Sky Clark a few months ago during the pandemic and then have him as the first official visitor right after, you know, he said it himself, the energy was different, you know, actually being able to be on campus now and, 
meet the coaches and really go through the plans and go through what, what the future looks like. It's a really big deal. And that's why I said before, I think coaches and players are just really excited to have normalcy because, you know, it's easier. Um, it's way more informative to have a kid on campus and it's just easier. How, how are coaches kind of adopting to the concept that there are these new professional options for players. And I've talked about them a ton on the show. I think anybody listening knows enough about them. We don't have to get into the particulars of all of them because, you know, when this G League program was first integrated, people, you know, the, the idea was we're only going to recruit uncommitted players. Um, you know, it's it's not, we're not, you know, if 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 John Smith, if Jake Weingarten is committed to Louisville, we're not convinced trying to convince him to not go to Louisville and take this pathway. But now that's changed. I mean, you have two like legitimate options here domestically, you have many options overseas. How are coaches kind of finding that balance of uh for people watching on YouTube? If I post it, there's a dog in the background that's adorable but neither here nor there how are these coaches just dealing with the idea of I'm putting in all this time but I also know that this kid is being recruited or being talked to by these professional pathways and that's now something that I have to compete with well I mean this is a good point when we talked about Jade and Hardy there actually are some kids that you know do want to go to college uh you look at a guy like Cade Cunningham um, you've heard him say this before. Cade Cunningham could have literally played in any of those pro leagues if he yeah. wanted to and could have taken this entire year, chased the bag while developing and done that. But instead, you know, going to play Oklahoma State, his brother's an assistant coach, great relationship with Mike Boynton. And you have, ultimately you have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. That's a lot of things kids dream of. Um, but at the same time, if you're a college coach, a lot of kids do dream of being in the NCAA tournament, but at the same time, they do dream about being in the NBA. So if the G League approaches you or Overtime Elite approaches you and says, hey, we're going to give you a two-year deal worth a million dollars, you're just going to play basketball until you get to the NBA while making money, um, a lot of kids are going to be enticed. But I think the thing with the NBA is they're lucky because we're in an interview right now with AT, be quiet. Um, but I think the thing is with college coaches and you know, getting lucky, you are going to find a kid that does say, I want to come to your school and win a national championship. And I do think for Overtime Elite and G League Ignite, you are going to find a fair share of kids and a good group of kids that, you know, are going to want to play for you and make that money and develop for a year. But ultimately, I do think NCAA is still the way. But at the same time, that pro route is trending. And I think the thing about it is every pro league does have a list of guys that they're targeting. Um, they do have, you know, their own plans that the media doesn't know about where, you know, they're recruiting guys and who they want and this and that. So I do think, you know, the NCAA is still on a good path because kids do still want to play on that level and, you know, play all year round. I mean, Cade Cunningham did say it, um, being able to play in the Big 12, the best conference might have been better for him to, instead of playing in 10 G League games. So, I mean, it just depends the player. Um, coaches are adjusting to it. You see guys adding the MBL and the G League into their final list against schools. So at this point, it is a competition. And I'm sure coaches are, you know, saying the pros and cons of these routes and, you know, why it might be better to go to school. But ultimately, it's the player's choice. And you might be enticed by a two year million dollar deal. Uh, big story right now sort of broke in the last week. Um, I, I think it was kind of being sort of discussed behind the scenes because I was talking about it with people at the Pangos camp last week. But so Jalen Durans, the top high school player in the high school class of 2022, one of the top two, whatever, 
Um, and, you know, there was a little buzz at Pangos. And then, you know, Adam Sgoria wrote that, um, you know, he is seriously considering reclassifying, which would mean that he graduated high school a year early. He would have been a senior last year, but graduating high school this summer and playing uh, college basketball next year. I'm just curious, you know, he's taking official visits right now. What do you know and what do you think the likelihood is that Jalen Duran is on a college campus playing college basketball next year? First and foremost, AT, I mean, Jalen Duran is hands down one of the best players I've ever had the chance to cover. Um, I know that's not a long, uh, that's not a long time because I'm only 20 years old, uh, but I did have the chance to see Jalen Duran as an eighth grader and watching his development from eighth grade till now, it's just unbelievable. Um, such an impactful player physically. I think he's ready for the next level. I think he could play in college right now at some schools. So, I mean, Jalen Duren's a special talent as far as college goes. Um, I'm hearing very good things about Miami. Um, Miami did hire um, a former coach of his. So, um, you know, Miami's in a good spot. He did take that visit there. Um, but as far as, you know, what his future holds, like you said, Adam Zagoria had that uh, reclassification thing down and, you know, the pro options are in the mix and stuff like that. But, you know, Jalen Duran, if he says, you know, I want to go to college, Miami could be the spot for him. Um, you know, Miami's a good spot. Um, there's a few blue bloods, you know, his recruitment's all over the place. But a guy like Jalen Duran, and it's the same with Imani Bates, these guys could be saying no now, AT, and then in five months later, they could be like, oh, the G League, oh, the MBL. Um, you know, it's it's just time is it's really time is the essence. And, you know, for Jalen Duran, I think he could end up going the professional way um he could end up going to miami but at regardless of where he goes is a lottery talent so that's what matters do you have any sense for when he would have to there, there's a deadline where he would have to make a decision to be eligible for the 2021 draft right is it like september 1st <laughs> or something like that yeah there's there's a deadline for all guys um it's like that with guys actually testing the waters they have till july to make a decision um, but for Jalen, he's still a high school student. Um, no, I know. May God, Terrence Clark's soul, but Terrence Clark had to take six months worth of courses in two months to reclassify. Yeah. So that's a lot of stuff to think about. Is Jalen Duran going to want to sit down and take six months worth of courses in a two-month span so that he could reclassify? There's a lot of stuff that goes into it that I don't think people fully understand. So I do think that, you know, this will be a thing where we might have to wait to find out because there is a lot that goes into it. But, you know, Jalen Duran sits down and takes those courses and speed things up and reclassifies and ends up, you know, possibly at a school like Miami. Um, I think it'd be a win-win for both sides. You get a year in the ACC and, you know, you get to develop and then you go to the NBA and be a lottery selection. Yeah, I um I remember talking to Johnny Juzang's dad about the process and it was like I was kind of blown away like how hard it really you know, everyone think I'll reclassify, they'll make up a, like it's a lot of freaking work. Um yep. if, if if he does play college next year, do you feel like Miami would be the favorite at this point? Listen, it's hard to know. This is his first official visit that he just took to Miami. I believe Memphis and Kentucky are on the board. Um, Michigan has been linked to him. Villanova, he's from Philly. Do you have any sense for who would be a leader if he did decide to go play college basketball? Um, I do like Miami right now. Um, Miami does have a lot of Philadelphia ties. Um, Isaiah Wong is from close to where Jalen Duran is from. Um, so, you know, to be able to have somewhat of ties on your roster 
um, is a pretty big deal. But at the same time, look who Miami's competing with. Um, if Penny Hardaway doesn't take an NBA job, you know, you got Penny Hardaway and one of the prime developers in Cody Topper recruiting you. So you got those two guys. And then you got John Calipari in Kentucky going after you, which is also, you know, a hard team to beat. And then you got hometown Villanova, Jay Wright, I mean, Hall of Fame coach. So the pitch, the pitch is obvious there. We're, we're going to make a title run and get you to the NBA, you know, stuff like that. And then Michigan, Juwan Howard said repeatedly he doesn't want to go to the NBA right now. He wants to coach in Ann Arbor. So to hear that as a recruit, especially a recruit of Jalen Duran's caliber, knowing that your coach will be there when you're there for that one year and it's Juwan Howard who's done a spectacular job so far, you know, you're going to be enticed. And Jalen Duran has great options. Um, but right now, you know, Miami, I wouldn't say they're in the driver's seat. I think that's an exaggeration. But I think Miami is in a good spot. They had a great visit with him. Obviously, the ties with his old coach and, you know, stuff of that sort. But, you know, Miami, Memphis, Kentucky, Villanova, Michigan, that's a that's a long race. All right. Last Jalen Duran question. If I told you, I gave you a hundred bucks, you can go to the window in Vegas. You can never bet on this in real life, but, and you're only 20, but neither here nor there. Jalen Duran, December 1st, 2021, college campus, pro route, high school campus. What would you, if you had money to bet, what would you bet? Man, that's a tough one, but a hundred dollars. Hmm. I'll give you a thousand. If you, are you feeling a thousand more enticing for me a thousand um if we're at december 1st um at this point um i would say the college route um wow. you look at a guy like you look at a guy like imani bates um i think if imani bates was really seriously considering college i think he would already visit a college campus already and imani bates did say he was going to take his visits but they haven't happened yet so i'm kind of thinking at this point he's probably all pro which he's already kind of been already but the fact that Jalen Duran started taking his visits and he's continuing the plan more means he's really intrigued by the college route. And I said this before, um, a guy like Jalen Duran might turn around and say, I want to win a national championship and then be a lottery pick a year later and play in college against guys that I grew up with. So, I mean, that could be the, the route he decides to take. And college may sound surprising when I said that for a thousand dollars just now you're probably really surprised, but it really wouldn't surprise me if he ended up on a college campus. But at the same time, if he took the pro route, it wouldn't be surprising either. So for me, either route he takes is surprising, but you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up on a college campus. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to him last week at the Pangos camp, but my buddy Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky sports radio did and Jack's takeaway. And he's talked about it on his own podcast is like, Jack's awesome. He's, he's the man, Jack is the man. And he, you know, and that was one of his takeaways was like, you know, the quotes that, that Jalen Duran had about, you know, about development and the stage of college basketball and the fact that, you know, it's not just about a dollar amount, like, like it, it, you know, kind of blew me away seeing, you know, Jack had told me, Hey, this is what he told me, you know, I'm going to be doing a couple articles on it, but when, you know, you see the words in print, it is kind of blown away. So, all right. I don't want to bug you with too many questions here, but um, what are, what are the other storylines right now? Like what are, what to you is interesting in the recruiting world uh, right now, that's a very broad question, but but what interests you? What do you find interesting outside the number one player potentially reclassifying? What are the big storylines in your opinion? Hey, man, I'm excited for the live period. Um, yeah. I'm excited 
coaches to be able to get back out there and recruit again. Um, to be honest, you know, being inside those first few months and, you know, he hearing about Zooms and tweeting breaking news about virtual visits, just it didn't feel right. And, you know, now that I'm seeing players post their pictures from visits and, you know, just being on campus, it's a great feeling. And I think no storyline could beat the fact that college basketball and high school recruiting is back. Um, as far as, you know, individual players go, um, the big storyline for me over the past few months was where Chet is going to go. And he made that decision already. Um, but otherwise, I mean, the live period, man, I'm excited. I'm just, it's a great feeling to be able to go back on the road and, you know, I'm going to be able to see college coaches again. And, you know, it's a good feeling for the players as well. So it's, you know, it's an exciting time, contact period, live period. Um, you know, players are all excited. It's just everyone's in good spirits. So, I mean, I think that's the top headline right now. If you, um, real quick, I want to get back to some recruiting stuff. You think Chet's going to be really good at Gonzaga next year? I mean, obviously, there, there's the push-pull of he's incredibly skilled but kind of incredibly thin. Frail's not the right word because he's tough. Like, he's a tough kid. But you think he's going to be, like, you know, first-team All-American kind of good next year for Gonzaga? Oh, yeah. I think he has that potential to get to that point. Of course, it's Chet. Um, but at the same time, the players around him compliment him. Um, getting a guy like Hunter Salas was a really big deal for Chet. Um, and I don't think people understand how big of a deal that was. Hunter Salas is an excellent guard, and I think he compliments Chet really well. And then you got Caden Perry and Ben Gregg, who, you know, redshirted, but, you know, got a little burn this year for Gonzaga, even in March. Um, you know, that's a good name as well. They got really good young talent. Um, Dominic Harris, Julian Strother are returning. Um, you know, they've got good pieces around them and guys that, you know, ultimately want to win. And they came up just short national championship. You lost to a loaded Baylor team. So I think now it's championship or bust. You got the number one player in the country. You got another McDonald's All-American outside of that. And then you have another top 60 prospect in Caden, who's, I think, an unbelievable player. I've had a chance to see him multiple times. But I think with Mark Few, he went out and got guys that complement his system. And he got guys that you know, are going to win that championship game when they get there and, you know, make Gonzaga basketball dynasty, which they're on the path of doing. A couple questions. We'll get you out of here. One, you know, you mentioned the aggressiveness of the new Kentucky coaching staff, uh, two new assistants, Orlando Antigua and Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, two of the most respected guys in the industry. Um, no disrespect to the guys that were there before, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, do you sense on the recruiting trail there's like a renewed energy in the, the Calipari, Kentucky kind of, uh, you know, sphere? Because it does feel like it. You know, I noticed that, too, is it felt like they reached out to a lot of kids. They're putting in the work. Uh, do you sense like some renewed energy uh, from uh, from that program? Yeah. Um, the fact I said earlier, the fact that they're reaching out to 30 plus kids, I felt a different type of vibe from Kentucky basketball yesterday. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think it's actually a really good thing um, for Blue Blood School to go out there and, you know, look at their options, you know, not just look at a five star kid or not just look at, you know, a top 50 kid to be able to reach out to a kid that's ranked in the 100s or ranked a little under that you know, that's a good look for Calipari and the staff. Um, it just shows, um, you know, they're trying to build their own system and they're trying to build guys that fit in, not just those five-star guys or not just that talent. 
And I think that that energy you're talking about, I think they just have a set plan. They know what their system is. They know what kind of guys they want. They know what they need to win and they know what their roster looks like now. So why not you go for a push and start recruiting more guys? And it doesn't always have to be that five-star guy, but it has to be a guy that fits. And I think that's what Calipari and the staff are realizing that there's more than five stars out there. There's four-star guys. A guy like Bryce Hopkins is a great example, ranked in the top 40, um, was in the 30s, didn't make the McDonald's All-American game. But, I mean, you know, Bryce Hopkins is a talented four-star guy, um, fringe five-star guy. And I think Calipari's realizing guys like that are guys that can get you to the national championship and those are guys that you're going to have for more than a year or two. And I think they're changing their system up. They're changing their approach. But I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think it's a really good thing for Kentucky basketball. Right before you came on, I talked a little bit about Texas. Um, they picked up a fifth marquee transfer on Tuesday, I guess it was. Um, I took a little flag. I believe that in the next – my thought is simple. Chris Beard doesn't leave Texas Tech, a place that he went to a national championship game, unless he believed that he can build Texas into one of the two or three best programs in Kentucky on par with North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, UCLA, whoever. Uh, they've crushed it in the, the portal. What are your thoughts? And I mentioned they have maybe the highest paid coaching staff in America. Nobody really knows for sure. I think it's probably them or Kentucky one in one a what is the early buzz on them? Because I, I just truly believe, and I, I know from talking to enough smart people, like Beard doesn't go there unless he believes that he can build it into one of the best programs in the country, bar none. Right. And, you know, you saw the hype over Chris Beard possibly staying at Texas Tech, and it was deservedly so. I mean, he's a great coach, um, great personality, um, and that's showing at Texas. He's been there for a short amount of time, and I don't know how many of the listeners actually – you know, follow Texas on social media, but their social media approaches change as well. Um, I've never seen Chris Beard this active on social media, like being in videos. I saw one of the assistant coaches with Devin Askew jumping into a pool. Um, just the entire Texas approach is different. And like you said, I don't think Chris Beard would have would have left Texas Tech if he didn't know that he had something special coming his way at Texas or he had the opportunity to build something special. And you see the transfers he brought in, um, bringing in Trey Mitchell on Tuesday um, was a huge deal. Trey Mitchell is a really talented 18 and eight guy. Um, and then a guy I like a lot is Jalen Tyson, a high school kid that went to John Paul II out of Texas, was committed to Texas Tech and now is playing for Chris Beard. That was an unranked guy his first two years of high school. And then Chris Beard started going after him and really saw him. And then he became a five-star at the end of his senior year. So I think Chris Beard, like I said, with Kentucky basketball, the approach is going to be much more different now. You're in a bigger conference. I can't necessarily say a bigger conference scale-wise, but you're in a bigger conference platform-wise. And I think he's taking advantage of that. Um, you see what Eric Musselman did when he got to Arkansas. He changed the entire landscape of that program. And I think you could say the same with Chris Beard, social media approach recruiting you've seen more texas offers go out there for sure um and style of play i think they're bringing in guys that fit their system and you know can compete in that conference i said this to someone yesterday um devin Askew might have not been the best fit at kentucky but now that he's at 
Texas, new conference, you know, new teammates, new peers, new opponents. It, it could be good for a guy like that. And you see the transfers you brought in to go with those high school guys. And I do think Texas can make a nice push. And I do commend Chris Beard for putting together that staff, that, uh, that very wealthy staff. Um, but, I mean, Texas basketball is a lot to look forward to on and off the floor. Last one, you know, you just mentioned Arkansas. I think you mentioned Alabama earlier. Who are some of the buzzier teams outside of, we just talked Kentucky, we talked about Texas. Who are some of the buzzier teams in recruiting right now? Because those two that I just mentioned, you kind of mentioned in passing, are two that stand out as far as, I know both staffs pretty well, aggressive coaching staffs, aggressive recruiters. Who else is standing out? We mentioned Kentucky, you mentioned Texas. Who, uh, who's kind of, you know, making headlines early here in the, the recruiting period, not for commitments, but just for aggressiveness or, or for uh, the, the fact that players are interested? You're going to like this one, AT, but UConn is doing an excellent Woo! job. Okay, let's go. UConn is doing an excellent job. Um, a big part of that, they brought in Luke Murray from Louisville this offseason, and right off the bat, he brought in an official visitor named Ty Rogers, top 50 kid and that was a really big deal and I think the fact that UConn is recruiting an in-state guy named Donovan Klingon and not necessarily recruiting him like an in-state kid they're recruiting him like a national kid that was something that stood out to me too and they brought in a really good recruiting class that they have incoming Jordan Hawkins is a superstar um Roswell Diggins these are all really good talented guys Samson Johnson they have a really good roster and they're recruiting really well. And that's another team that's already had unofficial visitors on campus, 2023 kids. They're active in contact and they're just doing a really good job. And then the last team I want to mention is Indiana. Um, Mike yeah, Woodson. my boy, Mike Woodson. Yeah. Love Mike Woodson. Mike, Mike Woodson. Um, I'm from New York, so former Nick coach. So I was cheering for him. I liked Mike Woodson a lot and he's done a really good job. He brought in some good transfers. Um, some really good high school kids. He was able to keep some of the old team on. And that's kind of what I want to get to. Keeping Trace Jackson Davis in Indiana was a huge deal for Mike Woodson. Um, I doubt there was any ever thought in his mind to transfer or, but there might've been, you know, the thought to test the waters. But the fact that, you know, Mike Woodson got the job and Trace Jackson Davis ultimately said two days later, I'm staying and playing for Mike Woodson. That's a really impressive impressive thing right there and you know I do think the guys that they recruited and the official visitors they've had on campus it's just been really impressive and for Mike Woodson a former NBA coach to be able to recruit at this level and bring in the staff to do that um, it's been quite impressive and I think he's going to be able to compete in the Big Ten um, with a team like Michigan who's also done a spectacular job like I said earlier um, but overall I mean there's a lot of teams doing a really good job um, but Indiana, UConn, um, you could mention Michigan, Alabama has been exceptional. Arkansas did a really good job. Louisville did a really good job bringing in transfers. Um, but, you know, the recruiting, the recruiting stuff's been great lately all over the country. But I want to cheat the game a little bit. I don't want to say any individual team. There's a conference I want to say. I do think the Big Ten is going to be really fun to watch this year. Really? And on the court you're talking about? On the court, yes. What makes you say that? Honestly, just each roster. Um, Michigan brought in an excellent recruiting class to go with what they already had. Um, Hunter Dickinson's testing the waters. If he does decide to return, it's it's a loaded roster over there in Ann Arbor. Michigan State's got a really good roster. 
Um, Iowa's even got a nice little team going on. Indiana, like I said. Um, but I think the Big Ten is going to be a really competitive conference. And I think college basketball is going to be amazing this year. Um, stuff is starting to come back again. And, you know, I think it's going to be a really competitive year of basketball. And I'm excited, man. No, I am too. And I, I think just seeing Duke be able to practice, Kentucky be able to have a normal – it just – I don't think we realized at the time what the impact of last offseason had on all these programs and players, especially the young ones. But – uh, Jake Weingarten, uh, StockRisers.com. Um, yeah, man. What? What? Where can people follow your work? What can they do? All that good stuff. I mean, they must be. I know they're following you anyway. But if they're not, how can they learn more about Jake Weingarten? StockRisers.com, at. That's the website to go to. Um, and if you want to contact me, my DMs are open on my Twitter at Jake Weingarten. Um, I've had some great conversations with some recruiting fans recently. Um, I'm always open to talking to people. So those are the two best ways, man. But stick to that stockrisers.com and you'll everything you need to know about recruiting is right there. Dude, I, I'd be a little worried if I was you just saying the DMs are open because then you get the crazy fans that, oh, you know, I, uh, I, I know a guy that knows a guy. This is a done deal. Yep. And, you know, yep. I get a lot of those, uh, not probably not nearly as many as you with recruiting, but I get a lot of those as well. So Jake Weingarten, follow him on Twitter, stockrisers.com. Jake, man, I appreciate the time, brother. Let, seriously, it took a while to get the invite out, but let's do it again soon, all right? Of course, AT. I appreciate you, man.